Hello and welcome to the latest from Heart Standard. My name is Joe Skate and I am joined by my colleague James Kearney. How's it going, James? I'm very well, thanks. Very well. How are you getting on? Yeah, it's good, good. It's been it's been been a manic day. Um so I apologize if I come across very echoey. That's the reason I am starting late is because I have just had my office floored and everything is out of the office except from my desk, my laptop, and a light. So it's um yeah, it's, uh, it's it sounds very weird in here, but uh, hopefully it doesn't come across too badly on the other end. No, it should be fine. I mean, it sounds a little bit echoey, but uh, you'll be all right. You'll be fine. Cool. That's right. That's right. I'll, I'll, uh, as uh, as the days go by, I'll add. I'll, I'll start adding stuff. I'll start adding stuff to it. And hopefully, it, it just soaks up the soaks up the sound. But we're not here to talk about my acoustic problems. We are here to talk about uh, heart of the and other win for Heart of Midlovian. That is the, uh, I should have had this written down, but that is how many How many wins? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. 11 wins from the last 14 matches. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 games. I'm being 8 wins out of 9 in that run. Uh, I think it's over the last 15 games in the Premiership, only Rangers have picked up more points than Hearts. It is a truly remarkable run. I think it's the, it's the club's best run in the top flight since the 2010-2011 season when I think I think we won 10 out of 11 games uh, during a spell under Jim Jeffries and Billy Brown in the Premiership. So still a wee bit to go to match that, but we've got St Johnson coming up this week. We will discuss that on a video probably tomorrow. But today we are talking about the win over Dundee and also Lauren Shanklin just waxing a little uh, because we don't talk about him enough but we'll get to we'll get to Larry Shanklin at the end and just kind of talk about his influence uh, just just how good a season he is having within Scottish football context uh, we'll get to that but we'll first start uh, with talking about the win over Dundee James you and I were both there uh, you've rewatched the game you've put up a piece on the site Looking at the hearts, the, the positive, uh, the, the positive elements to hearts attack and play. Obviously, we've we've spoken a lot about this about this season where uh, a lot of games you're just thinking laborious. You, I think you use the words labor, labored, and just probably uh, probably on the money laborious kind of attack and displays. But over the last few weeks, we started seeing real changes. What did you, what were the, what were the things that really stood out for you in that win at the weekend? I think first off, it was the fact that, um, I mean, people will look at the scoreline maybe and just go and look at when the goals were scored and go, oh, okay, it's very similar to the last few games where first half Hearts aren't particularly good. You know, they maybe concede, they put themselves back into it in the second, and then they finish on a high note. Uh, now they did finish on a high note, that's true, but I actually thought the first half was a lot um, was actually really encouraging for for large spells of it. I thought that the first maybe. Um, I thought the opening 20, 25 minutes or so, Hearts were, um, they weren't really making too many chances, but they were controlling a lot of the ball. They were getting bodies up the park. Um, they were playing really well, doing some good stuff. There were a couple of moments when the wingers would tend to kind of hug the touchline and then just swing it in and there's nobody really there. But to the, to the players' credit, to the coaching staff's credit, they all realised fairly early on that that wasn't working. Um, and I think after maybe 15, 20 minutes, uh, that was a rarity to see Hearts attacking that way. Instead, they started moving the ball centrally, and it, it, you know, for for large spells, it worked. Like, yeah, okay, Dundee scored, but 
aside, I know it sounds silly, but if you take away the goal, like Hearts' all round performance is actually not too bad at all in that first half. It's certainly better in the first half against Aberdeen or against Dundee at Tynecastle or against County. You know, th- this was a vastly improved performance on that. So while obviously it's still not great because Hearts went, they still went into the break 1 0 down, uh, which obviously not ideal. You still want, you know, to see them start games a bit stronger, but I do think that they started this game stronger than the previous few, which is good. Then, of course, you move on to the second half, and the big thing was, yeah, Hearts' attacking play. I mean, it helped the fact that Dundee were trying to win the game as well. It was mm-hmm. quite an open game, it was fairly end to end, particularly when the scores were level. Like when Dundee were leading, they tended to set off a bit, and then when, when Hearts pulled it back, they'd always become a bit of a basketball game, lots, lots of back and forwards, uh, lots of chances to both sides. I mean, I think you touched on it in the stats piece, but. The XG for each team was almost identical. I think Hearts edged it just, but obviously Hearts had a yeah. penalty as well, which nudges it up a fair bit. But to us, the most encouraging thing for me was, apart from the result itself, it was the, the way that Hearts attacked, the way they were got getting into the box. We saw it because I think a lot of the time we see Hearts maybe get to maybe within 30 yards of goal and then they don't really know as if they know what to do and they just start passing it side to side, see what happens. Whereas on Saturday, what we saw was Hearts would get to within 20, 30 yards of goal. And rather than kind of just, you know, getting out wide, get it to the byline, swing it and see what happens. It was a lot more controlled, a lot more measured. It was a lot more just, you know, short, simple passes into feet, keep it moving, keep it moving, keep it moving. And all of a sudden you find a man who's maybe in loads of space, maybe got 10 yards to himself, uh, maybe even more than that. And the, the, the main reason behind that, I think, was because, this is something I touched on in my analysis piece, but it seemed to me as if Hearts were trying to get their attacking players into 1v1 situations with the Dundee mm-hmm. defence, and with very good reason, because aside from Owen Beck, who was absolutely fantastic, even better the second time round watching it, aside from that, they, they weren't winning those battles. They just weren't. You know, whether it was Cochrane, whether it was Forrest, whether it was Shankland, they were always, they were almost always getting by their man. <clears throat> and if you're in that 1v1 situation with space in behind, you can just, if you find a way past, past your man, you're in, and it's a brilliant chance. So we saw a few of those chances that didn't quite come off, but you know, I think of the first goal was a direct result of that. The ball gets played into Shankland. Um, uh, yeah, well, Shankland gets the ball. He, go, he takes on his man, starts dribbling, and the Dundee players just didn't know what to do. The Dundee yeah. players, just, they, they were so reluctant whenever Hearts just drove straight at them into the box. And I think that was the thing that really stood out. It was, it was the way that Hearts attacked the box was just different to what they've been doing for large spells of the season. I'd say it's a lot more sophisticated than what they've been doing for the large spells of the season. And again, it's what what swung it in the end. Because you, you think... look at the two goals from open play, they're both very similar goals. It's, you know, Shankland gets the ball out of the box, beats his man, dribbles. And the first one, Forrest nicks off and scores the second one. Shankland just, you know, toes it into the bottom corner himself. So I think that that was, you can see why they were trying to do it because it, it clearly worked. Do you think that's helped by the formation? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> because I think the way that Hearts were set up on Saturday, a big part of it was Cochrane was often drifting into midfield. Not always, like sometimes he was in that kind of left back slot where you'd expect him to be. But as soon as he pulled inside, um, Jordan McGee, who was the right wing back, he'd kind of get sucked over to try and deal with Cochrane. And then he'd leave Alan Forrest or he'd mark Forrest and then Cochrane's just unopposed. So there's one, that one point right at the end of the first half when Cochrane plays a 1 2 from basically just at the half halfway line. And he gets through on goal when you know, he forced a good stop from Trevor Carson. That could have easily been an equaliser. So again, those are the little moments, again, that you're just, the Hearts fans, I know, have been crying out for them because 
we talk a lot about the idea of a box-to-box midfielder and these line-breaking guys. And while I don't think we saw it regularly enough at the weekend, but we did, there were a couple of instances where Cochrane was doing it when he dropped in midfield, when Neuenhoff was doing it when he dropped, and, and that's obviously, you know, something that everyone that thought that's why he's been signed, because he's going to do that. And we saw little glimpses of it again, again against Dundee there. So I think it was a really positive result for a lot of reasons, but I think that, yeah, particularly the midfield, getting up and supporting the attack was really good. I think the patience that Hearts showed in the final third when entering the box was really good. Um, and of course, Shanklin's hold-up play was just immense. Uh, I mean, I, I messaged you this yesterday when I was kind of digging through the stats and watching the game back, but on average, Shanklin gets eight touches in the opposition box per game. Uh, on Saturday, he got 17. You know, so it's just, it's just that, that, and to be fair, eight, eight touches in the box for a striker is a lot in the Premiership. That's that's a really high number. And yeah, he got 16, which is just ludicrous. Because so, there was a lot of times when he'd be very deep, the ball would just, and again, rather than try to float it in towards the back post or whatever, you know, maybe it would be Len Bikisa at right wing back, would just play the ball just straight to Shanklin's feet. Shanklin can hold it up and lets everyone get into the box. Um, so yeah, I thought that was like something again that we've probably not seen enough of. We know that Shanklin is really good with his back to goal. He's really good at holding it up. But he's often doing that maybe 40, 50 yards from goal. This time he was doing it in Dundee's box and it caused all sorts of havoc for them. The... Um... I just I was going to say that I remember us speaking about this earlier on in the season, just about there was there was a number of times we look at games and it's like we just Shanklin's been involved, but he's like you said he's been involved far too far too away far too far away from the the penalty box or where he's going to be dangerous. And the one that stands out for me is St Mirren game at uh, in Paisley earlier on in the season. Hearts lost one 0 Shankland had probably about the only good chance he had over like a seven, eight game spell where he wasn't scoring. But he came away from that. It's like you're barely involved. If it was Shankland had five touches, uh, five touches in the box. Um, and then that was Liam Boyce was also playing, had had two. So there was, he had kind of just your other forward. It just kind of summed up the, um, the, the 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 lack of something, just the nothingness in attack that Hearts had earlier on in the season, and again, it's it's that it's good to see that three, four, five months down the line, improvements are be are, are being made. There's not the same issues that are creeping back up that uh, that they're actually being worked on, and that's something that the, there's been a conscious effort to, um, to to change. So that was a big one, and. That's what you want. You want you just want you want to fire the ball into Shanklin's feet anywhere in and around the box because you see you, you, you looked at what he did for uh, the Forest goal, and even in the first half when he turned and uh, fired a shot off the clip to outside of the post, mm. uh, players defenders are really really scared to get too tight to him because even though he's not the quickest, he's strong and he can hold players off and turn and score. But but we'll come back to Shankland. We'll, we'll come back to Shankland later on in uh, when we when we talk about him later on. But I just wanted to bring in a few elements from uh, guys in the comments. You mentioned them in the in your piece. Uh, Graham says, great, great result on performance and again showing we are never beaten. As much as all the credit goes to Shankland, I think Forrest is swanderated. And again, Forrest has... Forrest has just continued to grow and grow, and he's become a player that, when we are choosing our predicted predicted elevens ahead of a match, it's like you're almost like you're working out. Uh, you're, you're kind of working back from Shanklin and Forrest uh, rather than just going, "Oh, Forrest can play there." You're actually thinking, "Right, Forrest has got to start. He's got mm. to that point now." No, he has. He's been absolutely electric recently. You know. Um... 
I, I couldn't tell you how many goals or assists he's got over the last few games off the top of my head, but I mean, that's, that's the thing. He's, he's been getting some steady numbers and he's been winning mm-hmm. penalties as well, of course, uh, again, as we saw in the, was it the Aberdeen game where he, he won the penalty. Can't quite remember, but yeah, he's just he's just been fantastic. I think you know since the turn of the year, since um, you know the after since after the Premiership winter break, there's almost an argument. I mean, if it wasn't for Shankland, you'd have to say Forrest has been Hearts' best player over the last four or five games. He's been absolutely brilliant oh, yeah. every single one, and I think it's just it's really encouraging because. Uh, even if you go back a month or so ago when he signed his contract extension, there's still probably one or two fans that were thinking, mm, not sure, not sure. But he's he's really kicked on from then, you know, and they, they, he was already having a good season. And now, like you say, he's got to that point where he's one of the first names on the team sheet, which, again, it causes us a headache trying to figure out our predictive lineups. But I must give Naismith one as well, because as we know, he likes to change the system and move things about. But if you've got Forrest, who's playing so well at left wing at the moment, that kind of leaves your hands tied to an extent. It means well, you're going to have to play a left winger, which means you're probably playing four three three. Yeah, and that that that's it. And I think that's the, the good thing about Forrest is that if you go three five two, I would probably play him up front with Shankland. I just think the it's finally he's finally settled. I think he's grown into being a Hearts player. He's uh, he's, he's earned his contract deservedly, and. You have to remember that these two players combined really well at your United, so they understand mm. the, uh, each other's games. But I'd, we were writing it on, on Saturday at the game that there's been such a reliance on Shankland, but in the last few weeks, you've seen other players step up. Vargas has come to the floor a bit more. Forrest, like you said, is continuing to do that. And then Shankland goes and scores two goals, and it almost makes that moot point. But they're beginning to be shared around more, and that's where you see Hearts scoring more goals, being more of an attacking threat. And you talked about uh, Forrest's goals and assists. So he's got six. I'm just looking on Scout just now. He's got six goals and assists in the league. That's the same number as David Turnbull. He's left now. Duke, Todd Cantwell. It's more than Martin Boyle. It's more than Dyson Maeda. So it's it's a good return. But it's it's something that I expected. I thought he could be a player when he signed from Livingston. Having watched him and his impact at Livingston in the top flight, he could be a player that chips in with you're looking between, in terms of goals and assists, kind of 12 to 15. I think he's got that potential there to, to maybe score seven, eight, nine goals a season and then get in, get an assist. But like you said, he's been, he's been such, he's been much more involved. He's been much more productive in the game. We, we, the, the, the word I've always used with him this season is, is reliable. The contrast, a couple of guys mentioned it. Gorgie Boy says, any thoughts on Oda? I didn't see what he brings. Graham uh, talked about thought Grant and Oda didn't have the best games. We'd be tempted to start Fraser and Fargas on Wednesday. I I didn't think Oda had the greatest games. Uh, it was in the first half. We were kind of talking about it, and it was just like every time you get the ball, and you wrote about it in your piece, you try and take on Owen Beck. Owen Beck would just get his body in front. And he dees him off the ball. He just knew where Oda was going uh, to go, and he was one step ahead of uh, the winger. But then, reading your piece, he was he was more involved and started making better decisions as the game went on. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I, I agree. I think that certainly early on, yeah, he was trying to get an individual battle with Owen Beck. Basically, he was just he was never going to win it, and he, indeed he didn't win it any time. I think Owen Beck wasn't. If I remember off the top of my head, I don't think he was dribbled past once. I don't, I don't think he lost a duel or anything like that. I think he was just. Uh, he was just winning that, but like you say, though, as the game progressed, though, as the game wore on, first half and then you see he was on the pitch till about the hour mark, I think. Oda, and you're right, it, it, it wasn't 
you know, getting the ball, driving forward, taking on players, getting balls in the box. That wasn't what he was doing, but he was getting in good positions and just moving the ball on. And like sometimes that's just, it's, it's not very particularly exciting. It's not uh, its not the most brilliant, uh, exciting thing in the world to watch, but it's effective. You know, <laughs> like he did it a couple of times for, um, there's one point in the first half where he's charging forward, just plays it into Shankland. Uh, Shankland's at the edge of the box, you know, beats his man, gets a shot away. It's like, you know, he it, it misses the target on that occasion, but, you know, it's Lawrence Shankland, he could easily score. Um, and that comes from Oda just, you know, just playing a short, simple ball. And again, I think we saw a lot of that um, as the game wore on, where it was he was still involved in a lot of Hearts' good attacking play. But basically, when he was told, "Don't try and do it all yourself," you know, don't don't try and beat the man. You can't you can't beat the man. So stop trying. Instead of that, just you know, work the ball inside and let us work over to the other side, and then we can be a bit more patient with it. So again, I think that, like we said before, I think he's got. Um, it's just, you know, interesting. I think we we say about him a lot the fact that he's not direct enough. That he sometimes needs to you know, yeah, uh, you know, just get get down, take on his man, get down the line. Um, but in, in Saturday there though, it was like one of those rare occasions where he started off doing that. Actually, it wasn't working, and he started doing the other stuff. It's you know, just yeah, okay, yeah. touch, hold up, hold it up, shift it on, and it worked really well. It was really important. And I think that's a big thing. Naismith talks about it a lot. He he, he was a bit. Uh, frustrated, I think probably the right word uh, in terms of the first half was just the decision making and I think that's a big thing in the final third he wants players to make better decisions and the more the more that combination uh, like partnerships develop within the front uh, in, in, in the final third, I think you will find players will start making better uh, better decisions, we've, I think we've started to see it over the, over the last few weeks flipping to the defensive side another thing that Graham uh, brings up, we're going to bring on uh, um, kind of look at the, the team as a collective in a, in a second, but another individual I think it's probably worth speaking about is Toby Civic. Graham says, maybe I'm harsh, but I think Civic needs to go and engage Cameron for their second goal. I think that's something that we both reflected on. Uh, we both thought that it was maybe a wee bit standoffish. How did you think Civic fared in general? Because he was, it was, there was a few eyebrows raised when we seen the team and he was in, but then you heard Naismith after the game. Stephen Kingsley was ill, so was Halkett. Halkett was well enough for the bench, but I think he was just there as a precaution. Sibic, I thought he started, he was maybe unsure with a couple of balls over his over his head, but he's got that pace to recover. So that was never an issue. But I just think with the the, the Cameron goal, I just think sometimes you look at Sibic and compare him to maybe Halkett. You compare him to Halkett, Kent, Kingsley, even to an extent, Rolls. He maybe just doesn't have that. Uh, kind of defensive experience or like know how where he's like first uh, just where his, his decision making is not great we talked about decision making in the final third maybe his decision making uh, as, as a centre back he's been moved around a lot isn't the best or what's required or up to the levels of his uh, of his teammates well, what, what I would say though about Civic was that <clears throat> I think it's important to point out that on Saturday all of Dundee's attacks were coming down the left hand side like they, they clearly decided that Lembekisa and Civic, that, that's yeah. the weak point. That's what we're going to attack. Yeah. And that they were constantly going down. And so you end up having a really busy afternoon, whether that be their child lob balls in behind them or just in those wee spaces in between him himself and Lembekisa, or just, you know, like we saw for the Leo Cameron goal, just driving at him and seeing what happens. You're right. I think for the second goal, he could probably use being a bit more aggressive. I think you're right. I think if you look at somebody like Frankie Kent or Craig Halkett, I don't think they back off like that. I think they probably do commit and charge in. But I do think that the other thing as well, though, is that actually in the sec, watching it back, I thought, I thought early on there were a couple of you hairy moments from Civic. But actually, mm-hmm. as the game as the game wore on, the game progressed. Barring the second goal, 
I thought he was pretty. I thought he was fine, to be honest. Yeah. I thought he was pretty solid. Um, there, there, again, there were a couple of moments where in the first half, early on, where like there's one point when both himself and oh, I can't remember who else. I'd assume Lembekisa were out, kind of challenging for a ball with a Dundee player, and a Dundee player kind of skipped past them both and into the box. But I remember at the time, kind of going like, "Oh God, here we go." Yeah. Watching the replay back, it was like, "Oh no, Joe, the guy, the Dundee player, he gets the break of the ball, bounces off." I'm like, okay, the heart first both go the same way, which isn't great, but you know, it's one of those things that's a bit unfortunate. But generally, as the game wore on, yeah, I thought he was very solid. He, you know, he wasn't dribbled past the entire game, which is a lot more than you know Joe Shaw, honestly, can say, yeah. or that um, you know basically any of the Dundee defence can say. You know, they, they they had a hard time dealing with that, whereas Stevick didn't. So I think that on the whole, um, I thought it was actually a pretty decent performance from him. Yeah, like, yeah you're, I think you're right. The second goal, you are looking at it, but the other thing to remember as well is that it was a quickly taken counter attack, and because Lembekisa was so far up the park, Civic's left guarding an absolutely enormous part of the park all by himself, which isn't easy. Yeah, could he do better? Of course he could. But should he have been in that position to begin with? Probably not. Yeah, I think I, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. I, I agree that over the over the course of the game, I thought he was he was absolutely fine. I don't, don't think he was didn't he let the, like they let the team down or and I do think it showed where why I think some fans might have questioned why the team didn't move him on in the in January when offers came in. They were only loan offers. I think if it would only really be monetary offers that Hearts would want, but I just think he's a very useful player to have just because he's adaptability and he's quick. Just on that, but I'm going to quickly point this out because this is something I point I mentioned the other day when I think it was me and yourself, maybe me and Scott that were on doing the podcast, but we're talking about Civic and whether he should have stayed or gone. And it's like, well, I think the example I used was well, if Kingsley gets ill. Then Hearts are in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and then here we go, come Saturday, Kingsley's ill. And all of a sudden you've got one guy who can play left back in the whole squad. And you've got a back four where you've, you're playing Civic and you know, Hal gets a bit ill as well, so he can't really play. So yeah, again, that, that's exactly why. That's you know, Saturday, you're right, that's exactly why. It's because if if Kingsley, if, if Kingsley in particular gets injured or is ill or suspended or whatever, especially while the Asian Cup's going on, then yeah, that's a big problem. Although we should say though that of course, Australia have been papped out the Asian Cup, so yes. we expect Kai Rose and Nani Atkinson back. Uh, oh, when do we expect them back, actually? That's yes, cool. so I was just going to say, uh, Daniel asks, will Kai Rose and Nathaniel Atkinson be available? I'm not sure. I would be surprised if they were brought back in for the St. Johnston game. I know they got mm. knocked out over. They got knocked out on Friday, so it's a, a fair bit of time to come back and adapt. It so, seems like a quick, awfully quick turnaround. Like, yeah, possibly, I guess, if, if you were in a, in a bind and you had to, yeah. but... I would think that's maybe rushing it a wee bit. Yeah, especially when you look at how well Lembekisa's adapted and fit into the squad and what he brings to the what he brings to the team, and then Kai Rose if Stephen Kingsley's fit or uh, for the game on Wednesday, or he's recovered from his illness, then you don't have to rush them back. And uh, but to get a um, uh, to be able to uh, answer that fully, we'll find out tomorrow because we'll speak yeah. to Stephen A. Smith at the pre-match press conference. The last thing I kind of wanted to talk about from the game, I think if there's anything else off the top of the head, I'll, I'll bring up. But uh, George Eggo says these games that have been lost with Nielsen, Levine, etc. And I think it's, I think it's a good point because I, it's it's something that I've heard a lot of fans uh, like talk about when I've talked about with my mates. Is like these are games that Hearts would have lost, gone and it's like just going behind, especially away from home, would have lost previously. The the ability to 
win points or win games from losing positions has been really, really encouraging. And it definitely, I definitely feel like there's been slowly but surely there's been a mentality swift, mentality switch. And I do feel that I think I've talked about it before. That Aberdeen game where we lost from one 0 up, and it was almost like that was that was the final straw. It's like draw the line under it. That doesn't happen again. Mm. And I think you've seen that Hearts of Hearts are one of the best teams in the league uh, at defending leads. Um, I was looking at on uh, looking at it yesterday in terms of how many times they went ahead. They've only lost points from um, three times from winning positions, and they've been in, been ahead like seventeen times. And now Hearts are starting to win. Win points from losing positions. Off my head, by the way. Sorry, um, Ibrox getting beat two one. Petardry in December getting beat two one, and then the two all derby, uh, Tynecastle, the first one for winning positions that they've chucked away. Yes, yeah, I think it's yeah. the Hibs, um, Hibs, yeah, Hibs, Hibs Rangers, and, uh, and and Aberdeen. I think I'm sure those were those were the three. And now you've started to you started to see the other side of Hearts and. It definitely feels like there's a really, really good team spirit. There's a really good togetherness, and there's just uh, it's it is trending in the right way. No, definitely. You know, like I think that it, right now it's hard to look at this team and you know be too unhappy about much of it. To be honest, you know they're getting results. You know, defense has improved, and okay, yeah, there's been a few dodgy goals maybe over the last couple of weeks that Nesta won't be particularly happy about, but. You know, over the course of the season, it's been a huge up, uh, a huge improvement. Similar to the away form again, massive upturn there, a pretty monumental upturn there. To be honest, the only thing you could maybe say was like, oh, they could really be scoring a few more goals. Or you mm-hmm. know, team seems to score a lot of them. But then you look at even over the past three, four games or so, and you know we've had, you know, we waited all season to see Hart score three goals in the league game. It's now happened three of the last four matches. You know, that's two of the last three. Three of the last four, no. Two of the last three. Oh, two of the last three, of course. Oh, sorry, I'm getting mixed up with county. Apologies, that's two all, wasn't it? Don't worry, I changed it in your article before Thank I get you. out. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah, they've done it twice now. That's something at least. Yeah. That's something. Um, and like you, you mentioned earlier, so it's like the goals have been starting to get spread around a wee bit. Um, You've know, seen like the likes of Vargas and Forrest chipping in the goals as well. So on the whole, I think it's, again, I think that the, the one kind of, uh, kind of grumble that Hearts fans could still be having at this stage of the season would be like, uh, yeah, the attack could be a bit better. We, you know, can be a bit stale at times going forward. But again, I think the Dundee game in particular, I think that showed that they really are on the right track because stuff like that, the way they were attacking, the way they're doing things, it takes time to learn how to play like that. And you know, it, it, having like a free flow and really fluid attack that works, that's always the hardest part to to, in- to institute and to really. Um, you know, get the players bought to buy into that and really understand what they're doing. It does take time, but I think the Dundee game there really showed that actually these things are happening. It is getting there, and okay, we're still not quite there yet, but it's certainly moving in the right direction. Like the progression's obvious. Yeah, and ideally, you want to be you want to be better in the. You don't want to kind of leave yourself to forty five minutes to turn around turn around games or basically give yourself forty five minutes to win a game. You want to be better for the the full ninety minutes. So it's yeah. not ideal these. Uh, like the first halves either haven't uh, been going in behind or played poorly recently. But it's I think it's even when Dundee went ahead when Jordan McGee scored, I was speaking to speaking to Powell who was in the way end, he's like never really felt like there wasn't that much negativity. I think no fans are kind of starting to trust the team and like, okay, mm. that's fine, we're one the hound. 
but we can actually come back and win this game. We can get we can get a point. And I felt that as well. Didn't really feel any stress. And I think that's that's a really, really good quality to have. Before we move on, James, I will ask you a question from Brian Martin. How did Scott Fraser look? And I understand Tate came on, which he did. Uh, did he have enough minutes to make an impression? Uh, so like, Tate was on, I think Tate and Fraser were both on for the last uh, 25 minutes, half an hour or so, I think. Um, I, I thought both were pretty, looked pretty decent, actually. Yeah, I don't think, um, I think it was solid but unspectacular, I'd say, for both mm-hmm. of them. I, you know, I, didn't, I didn't think that either of them especially jumped out and you thought, oh, wow, what a player, what a performance. They didn't really do much wrong either. I thought, yeah. um, I think particularly with something like Fraser, where, you know, he's only just in the door, he's still getting used to his new teammates and all that. And it's chaotic. Yeah. Oh, and that, that's other things. So, yeah, the game's a bit mad as well, yeah. which doesn't help. Um, so, yeah, no, um, I thought they were both, yeah, fine. Um, didn't stand out for good or for ill. Yeah. That's, I think that's... Uh... A fair assessment of them. Yeah, they, they show, both show nice, uh, nice touches, uh, especially Fraser on the next couple of passes. And then with Tate, it's just—I think it's just encouraging that you actually look at when he came on. He came in, came on for Benny at quite a key time in the game, with Hearts still chasing to, to to win it. And again, it just kind of—I think it just shows the trust that Naismith has in someone like Tate. And obviously, Hearts fans want to see more and more of him, which I think we will over the coming weeks and months. Before we finish up, I did say we we're going to talk about Lauren Shankland. Right now, he is a shoe-in for Player of the Year come the end of the season. I'm not talking about Hearts Player of the Year. That was that was one long mm. long time ago. But in terms of Scotland, it's 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 hard to look around the league and think someone else is a better suit for him. He's just been even he's just been inevitable in terms of his goal scoring. But not every game he's he's been brilliant. There's been games where he's been really poor. Hibs game, for example, he will admit that himself. Comes up with a, a clutch moment. Comes up with a winner, and then you've seen the when he does have a good a good game, he's a nightmare to play against. We've seen at the weekend where like you look at the his, his skill, his movement and his, his ball retention for the first um for the first goal, scored the scored the penalty. And then the the third goal, it was a great finish, but it was so good such good striker play to hold yep. off Dodgeham and then link up with link up with Vargas. He's just been I just don't think there's an individual in the league who's more transformative to uh, and more influential to their team than Shanklin is to Hearts, and it's just uh, it, it, it's just incredible to be watching right now with his goal scoring, his all round play, and the fact that four more league goals, and he's going to be the first Hearts striker to score 20, uh, 20 goals in back to back league campaigns in the top flight since um, in, in fifty nine years. It's crazy, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, it's that thing we can all take it. You know, you can take your pick when it comes to you know the records, the stats, to the, you know whatever it might be. To be honest, the thing that really stands out for me though about Shankland is, and you're talk- you kind of mentioned it earlier, it's the clutch moments. You know, because okay, you look at the goals. Not all goals are equal. You know, if you score the fifth goal in a four no and a five 0 win, good for you, okay. But that you know that doesn't it didn't really change the outcome of the match. I think Shankland's now scored the winning goal seven times this season. I'm pretty sure that's right, and. Uh, last time I checked, no one else had more than three. I think maybe somebody else had four, perhaps. So I mean, he's you know, it's it's the it's the most like by a distance. And again, it just shows you, you know, if you take Shankland out of that team, okay, you, you put another striker in. You know, how many points first off with Hearts beat this stage yeah. of the season? You know, it's it's scary to think. You know, it, you know, it's just the amount of last minute goals he gets. Again, like you say as well, it's all round play. The fact that you know he can drop deep, he gets on the ball, like we said for the winner. 
against Dundee, you know, that all starts from a Xander Clark long kick, and yet Shankland drops to about the, ha- the halfway line and just bodies uh, Dodgson off the ball, and then that's how Hearts get going. And again, stuff like that, it's just, you're not going to find many players in the league that are capable of doing that. They're capable of, you know, getting that winning that physical battle in midfield, moving it on, getting forward, beating a man, and then scoring. It's just, yeah, I mean, that was a that, that kind of like 15, 20 second clips. It's just absolutely wonderful. It's a really good clip of showing what Shanklin's all about. Yeah. Like you said, the only thing that's missing is though, if you want to, if it needs to be pure Shanklin, it needs to be a spectacular finish. Whereas that was just merely a good finish. <laughs> yeah. that, that's not his style. He's not like this, you know, outside of the boot into the top bin. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. And it, it's the fact that he's, he's doing this when there's been so much uh, intense speculation and focus on him, not just transfer speculation, but his contract. And one thing you notice is that he's like dealing with him in the, in the media. He, he fronts up and he's he's such a he's such a cool, calm character. Just in, front, in terms of how he is in front of a goal, it's exactly the same in front of the media. He could have easily, when the press asked Hearts to speak to Shankland after the game, Hearts could have even said not. Shankler could easily say no because they know what's coming. Questions yep. about his future, questions about his uh, transfer, uh, the transfer window, questions about his contract. He came and he was just kind of just like, he just answered it. And I think um, people would have seen the clip of BBC yesterday when he did the interview. And that's him. He's just, he just takes everything. And when he says he takes everything in stride and he just focuses on the next, next match, that's him. His professionalism. Is, uh, is is brilliant. His um, I think I was speaking to speaking to Aaron Fraser on Friday before the press conference. He was saying he was watching a wee bit of the end of training, and Shanklin wouldn't leave until he scored a penalty, uh, and then obviously he scored scored a penalty. And but I I just I just like listening to him to him because he is he's you ask him a question, he'll give you an honest he'll give you an honest appraisal appraisal. For example, like we said, he talked about the deadline on his contract. He, he said it was too quick for him. And uh, he could easily just said, "Oh, I can understand why." He, he basically said he understood why the, the club did it, but the fact that he gave his own opinion as well, yeah, he's just, uh, he's, he's just, he's just incredible. And yeah, it's just kind of like it's, it's, it reminds me. Of, there's just the situation reminds me of um, uh, the Office US and Andy Bernard when he says, "I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them." Mm-hmm. And I think, I think Hearts fans should realise that right now, in terms of strikers, they're very much in the good old days and just. Uh, just, just enjoy it as much as as, as much as we can. Uh, absolutely, you know, like we don't know how long he's going to be around for. We don't know, uh, you know, maybe it's away in the summer, maybe it's the year after. It's one of these guys just just enjoy him while he's here. You know, he's you're not going to see a player like like him again for a while probably. So it's just you know, soak up, enjoy it because I mean, and that, that's everything that you pointed out, which I thought was a good, really good point. Was there's been so much uncertainty surrounding him. You know, uncertainty surrounding you know, obviously in the last month, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Uncertainty around the contract, you know, is he going to sign it? Is he going to leave in the summer? Is he going to move on? Uncertainty around his place in the Scotland squad, you know, is he going to make the squads? Is he going to go to Germany? So I think that when you when you add all that in, to, and then but you still see him producing constantly, week in, week out, and like you say, even if he's having a bad game, still popping up big, like, huge moments that turn the game, turn the games. Yeah, it's just I. He's got if he keeps us up between now and the end of the season, he has to be player of the year. He has to again. It's just. He's just been absolutely magnificent. Um, and it just seems that every week he's just finding a new way to impress us all. 
yeah, just yeah, I don't know what else. So, I, 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 I know we do this every week, but I don't know what we're going to keep. We're on Avengers, we're out of things to say about the guy, aren't we? Like, I know, I know. There's uh, so I've got a, a question for you. There is uh, 14 before we finish up. There's 14 league games left. Do you think he can get to 30 goals in the league alone? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. you actually go a goal a game, a goal a game between now and then. I think he can do it. Yeah, I think he absolutely can. I mean, he's basically been doing that since. October anyway yeah because <laughs> had that rough start at the start of the season the only thing to keep in mind of course is the fact that the final five games are against a split so you know it's the, the standard of opposition is higher um over the, the run-in but at the same time at the moment I would back him to, to be honest I would back him to do it like he look, right now he looks as if he's like as long as he keeps fit it's hard to see anyone stopping him at the moment he's just been brilliant absolutely yeah. brilliant. and I would say with when you talk about the the, the split Big thing about him, he scores goals when he faces Celtic. He scores goals when he faces Rangers. He scores goals. I was going to say scores goals when he faces Hibs and Aberdeen, but there's not. Uh, there's there's a chance that neither of those will be in the top six uh, come come like come into the season. But um, yeah, it's it, it, it's great. I think it's just it's it's just a pleasure to uh, turn up, and it's one of those I've not had it. I've probably not had it since Scatchel, where you're just like, even if the game is crap, uh, you're going to turn up, and you you know Shankland will do something. Do something mm-hmm. in the game, and which will uh, which will which will make it worthwhile. So yeah, it's it is brilliant, and but we'll leave it there because we have uh, we, we've spoken enough. And um, I was I was going to ask you another question about the league in terms of our advantage in third place and uh, how we're closer to second now than we are to fourth. But we'll leave that to leave that question to tomorrow when we preview the St Johnston game. So until then. James, thank you very much for accompanying me through this journey of Dundee and Laura Shanklin. And thank you very much for everyone for listening. And be sure to check heartstandard.co.uk for slash subscribe. There's uh, loads of content up there. At Tonight we'll have a contract update on Benny Beningamy and Craig Gordon. That'll go out at half past 10 tonight. So be sure to check that out. Uh, until tomorrow, goodbye. <laughs>